Hi, Bothered Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. It has been a rather ridiculous three weeks of the pandemic in both, like, in terms of news and just casual anecdotal reporting from people on the ground about the situation that they or people they know are facing. And it was so crazy that the amount of information that I have over the past three weeks from Canada and the U.S. means I basically had to split these into two different videos. So with that, we're going to start with what's going on in America and what we can expect in the near future. So with that, let's go back to nearly the start of the month on January 3rd. So for starters, let's have a little comparison. In 2020, during what was considered the height of the pandemic in LA, I was working for a 95-year-old man in his home twice a week, so I was taking weekly PCR tests at Dodger Stadium 10 minutes away, just as a precaution. Now they're next to impossible to get, even if you are sick. Which, speaking of being sick, that brings us to this other horrifying detail from January 3rd. My principal has COVID and is coming to work tomorrow because he's asymptomatic. This is a subject we will come back to in good time and often. And then on January 4th, there was this article in The Guardian that came out. A shambolic mess. The only example Australia is giving to the world now is how not to manage COVID. We thought authorities would develop a strategy for post-lockdown life. Instead, they have chosen to let it rip. Who actually thought authorities would develop a proper strategy? Welcome to the neoliberal nightmare of late-stage capitalism. Of course, instead of governments actually governing and making the best decisions in the interest of the people they're supposed to represent and govern, they're going to take the side of business, who is their donor class. Like, hello? But yeah, people just, you know, let it rip. We already talked about it before in that video I did a while ago about how the West has basically just given up. And now we are dealing with the very unfortunate and lethal aftermath of that decision here and now in the present. Which, speaking of getting COVID, I guess that brings us to this other story. Have COVID? You can't collect unemployment benefits. Because, you know, that'd be against the interests of the capitalist class to, you know, have to fork that out in case, you know, there's so many people out with COVID as we try and adopt this lethal let it rip strategy. And again, speaking of the unfortunate nightmare, there have been other people who have talked about this, but it is worth mentioning again, just in case anyone here in this community hasn't heard about it. Brussels Airlines runs 3,000 empty flights to maintain takeoff and landing slots. You know, in the wake of that, I think we're all just going to need to really hunker down and just try and do a little bit more recycling. I think that will fix the problem finally. This is all part of the bigger problem of landing slots for uh, various different airports around the world. In order to keep them, you have to use them. Otherwise, they go up for sale. So thousands of empty flights have been flying around to numerous different airports, big and small, all around the world to keep coveted like key landing and takeoff spots, which by the way, is making a fuck ton of emissions. They couldn't have said, hey, you know, in the interest of everyone's safety and also maybe the planet, we're just gonna put a pause on this. Whoever has the current slots, we're gonna keep it like that until things start to pick up and it's safe to travel around again after we've, you know, vaccinated the world, gotten a handle on the virus, began to manage it, give nurses and frontline workers a break, etc., etc., right? Nope, capitalism gotta keep on chugging, even at the expense of the goddamn planet. Which, speaking of the planet, there was this lovely little article from CNN, which, uh, oh boy. We can't vaccinate the planet every six months, says Oxford vaccine scientist. 
A leading expert who helped create the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine said Tuesday that giving everyone in the world booster shots multiple times a year is not feasible. We can't vaccinate the planet every four to six months. It's not sustainable or affordable. So right there, right? It's a little mask off capitalist moment of it's not affordable. We can't do that. Yeah, you know, that's the reason why the AstraZeneca was supposed to be free. But then Bill motherfucking Gates convinced them to charge money for it. And this is all part of the bigger problem, right? Of capital still not seeing it as a global problem that needs to be solved and you know it requires a global solution like the climate crisis but we're not about this right now and so unfortunately right they're saying we can't vaccinate the planet every six months yeah we haven't even begun to fully vaccinate the planet which is why the ips should be lifted and the un and cargo companies and like amazon and the u.s military and just all the different arms of the logistics industry should get their shit together or be directed to get their shit together by governments that actually know what they're doing, lift the IP waivers and start actually vaccinating the entire goddamn planet to prevent new variants so that we can all begin to actually get back to normal a little bit. But instead, this is just part of like the media, especially in the West, trying to signal, you know, we can't do this anymore. We should just give up, just give in, you know, let it rip. We can't vaccinate the entire world. You know, it's going to become unaffordable. So, you know, let's just, uh, I'm tired. Let's just give up. Which, oh, hey, uh, on the subject of capitalism and not addressing the global problem and, you know, travel and the airlines and everything. So everything we've covered has been on January 5th. Now it's time for January 6th, which was a hell of a day. Remember the whole uh, Delta story about how the CEO basically convinced the CDC to shorten the guidelines to make it better for his business? We have an unfortunate yet entirely fucking predictable addendum to that story. Getting multiple reports, Delta is telling workers across work groups that they should come to work with symptoms even if someone in the household tested positive. And test positive workers should come to work after five days if the fever is below 100.9 degrees, even if still testing positive. Yeah, let's have COVID positive people on a pressurized tube that recycles air through the pressurized tube for long periods of time, hours upon hours in fact, and just have that go all around the world. That's not going to be a problem, right? And we wonder why shit doesn't get better. Which, you know, by the way, it was a record then, but I think the record has been surpassed since then. But on January 6th, the U.S. reported 763,878 new coronavirus cases in one day, setting a world record. USA! USA! And so if you thought, you know, January 6th was bad, January 7th was a fucking day, too. I want to ask you about those encouraging headlines that we're talking about this morning, this new study showing just how well vaccines are working to prevent severe illness. Given that, is it time to start rethinking how we're living with this virus, that it's potentially here to stay? The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. And yes, really encouraging news in the context of Omicron. This um, means not only just to get your primary series, but to get your booster series. Um, and yes, we're really encouraged um, by these results. The CDC director on COVID the overwhelming number of death, over 75% occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. And yes, really encouraging news. Eh, they were gonna die anyway, so that's fine, right? This totally isn't just more proof that capitalism is a death cult, right? 
Oh, and uh, hey, remember, like back on January 5th, there was that CNN article which we talked about? Well, uh, hey, here's something that happened on January 7th in relation to that. So I'm hearing they can't continue to vaccinate us after a while, so we'll have to accept natural immunity on CNN. We're really fucked, aren't we? Uh-huh. And then again, because God hated us on January 7th, we had this lovely piece from Ron DeSantis in Florida. Think about it. Before COVID, did anyone go out and seek testing to determine if they were sick? Which, as James here points out, what does Ron DeSantis think mammograms, colonoscopies, and pap smears are if not tests people take to determine if they're sick? Oh my god, the grift is so incredibly fucking transparent and no one calls them out on it! Oh my god! Like I said, January 7th was a hell of a day and uh, there was this news from the other end of the East Coast, up in Rhode Island. A Rhode Island hospital is dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak with patients after it asked staff who tested positive but were asymptomatic to come in due to a staffing shortage. I see no way this turns out poorly, right? Gee, I wonder why Omicron is just ripping through the population. So now we get to move on to January 8th where this was the news from across the pond in Britain. Free lateral flow tests face the axe under plans for living with COVID, which Boris Johnson will announce within weeks. And so that was on January 8th, but I retweeted the next day, January 9th, about how there was a part of that actual article, which, you know, I didn't reference here, but um, a part of the article that you can see references the following. Underrated part of this is near the top where it says that ministers and experts are expecting six more years of this virus. It doesn't have to be like this. So whatever internal data and modeling people in Britain and probably like America, Canada, etc. are getting is we can expect under current, you know, management, which is just capitalist nightmare dystopia, we can expect another six goddamn years of this virus. And we're on year three, by the way, because of capitalism's spectacular failure, we are looking at the 2020s as a decade of dealing with this virus when we absolutely don't have to. But so long as we put capitalism and profit and business interests first, this is going to total a fucking decade. We have fun on this channel, don't we, Bothered Brigade? So again, on January 8th, it was revealed that the number of Americans hospitalized with COVID-19 just hit 133,000, the highest of the whole pandemic. Maybe we should stop with the, but it's mild rhetoric and actually try to slow the spread. Which I guess now would be another good time to remind people of that other pandemic video I did with permission from that person who compiled a ton of research about how no, it's not just the flu, and it's not mild, like, please stop thinking this, and please go see that video, and share it around. It's got a ton of actual medical sources, so people can't realistically fight against it. Lord knows they will anyway, because no one likes hearing what they don't want to hear, even if it's a bunch of facts. But it's important to get that out there and share with people to remind all of us that, um... This is a very serious situation that is being completely botched by our leaders in power. So then moving on to January 9th, there was, of course, my addition to the unfortunate news from Britain and how, oh boy, strap in, folks, we got like, we're, we're in for basically a decade of this shit. But uh, there was also some shock from the CDC. CDC researchers are puzzling over a sharp rise in young hospitalized children infected with the coronavirus. Huh, I wonder if the more infectious variant, while um, shortening the isolation period while still being infectious, we're going to come back to that in the future, by the way, I wonder if that 
combined with people just kind of giving up and trying to normalize and live with this mild virus has resulted in more hospitalized children because as something is more infectious that infects more people which means as just an aggregate that's going to be more people in hospitals and icus including children huh i didn't see that coming from 10 fucking miles away deadly virus shocks political appointees who are told to pretend that this wouldn't happen and then act shocked by the way, Aranok makes fantastic video essays. Please go watch her video essays. They're all great. But what's not great is, again, what everything has been over the course of this pandemic, which, in terms of other really adequate summations, is the following. On January 11th, PSLDC tweeted, What capitalist U.S. government did to prepare for COVID in early 2020? They did not direct mass production of PPE. They did not secure availability of hospital beds and respirators. They did not lock down areas where first cases reported. They did, however, rearrange their stock portfolios after intelligence briefings. Yeah, remember that dude in, like, the Senate and also Congress where, like, he or his wife found out about, oh, you know, there's, like, this pandemic thing, so we should maybe rearrange our stock portfolios so that uh, we can still make a shit zillion dollars, even though this means um, we're doing that instead of, Protecting the people who vote for us. Holy fuck, this is infuriating. So, you know, the rich and powerful get to have all the insider information and make the good decisions to benefit themselves financially. But then there's poor people like this guy. My friend has COVID-19. He's uninsured. He makes less than $10 an hour. He had to pay $150 for a test to find out he has COVID-19. His job is not paying him for the time off. This is a typical story of a pandemic that has constantly impacted the working class worst of all. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not the only story that we've seen like this, either in my videos or just in various experiences we've had personally as individuals working and, you know, being on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever. This needs to change, and we can change it, and we absolutely have to, because as we're seeing, our leaders sure aren't doing any of that. I still can't believe this is only January 11th. Which, I mean, on that note, also on January 11th, there was this Vice article. Open source vaccines got more funding from Tito's vodka than the government. Corbivax is targeting low-income countries to stop new COVID variants from emerging. Scientists say rich countries are still refusing to fund it. Why do we not take an interest in our own public health in terms of how it applies to the global aspect of this pandemic but yeah one of the people involved is batazi and this is the part from the article which is just like it's hilarious but also supremely depressing batazi told motherboard that her team constantly sought government funding at all levels in 2020 they made pleas during congressional hearings, webinars, conferences, to journalists, and through op-eds. The philanthropic arm of the Texas-based Tito's Vodka, which donated $1 million to the effort, has contributed more funds than the U.S. government. Capitalism provides free market solutions. Oh my fucking god. Like, there's just so much to unpack here that I absolutely hate with every fiber of my goddamn being. If the free market provides solutions, then why wasn't more of the free market 
donating to this really good and noble effort that, in a way, helps protect in the interests of the free market. But no, they aren't doing that. And then again, the only part of the free market which did provide funding provided more than the U.S. government, which again has a vested interest for the sake of their business donor class to prevent more variants from emerging, which means this is good stuff to invest in. Oh my god! Which, hey, remember that previous COVID record? It's time to move on to January 12th. U.S. reports more than 900,000 new coronavirus cases. Biggest one-day increase on record. I'm noticing a grim and unfortunate trend here. I wonder why so many COVID cases are going around. I wonder if it has to do with everything we've mentioned so far and perhaps the following. The UCLA Labor Center said in a report also published Tuesday that nearly a quarter of fast food workers in the Los Angeles area contracted COVID over the past 18 months. Less than half of them had been notified by their employers that they had been potentially exposed to the virus. If you're a fast food worker, chances are your boss isn't telling you that your co-workers got COVID. So uh, I guess with that news from the 12th, we should also talk about this other news from the 12th from California as well. With hospitals reeling, California tells COVID-positive medical workers to stay on the job. Like, the collapse is honestly in full fucking swing at this point and no one's realizing it. People are just working with co-workers who are sick with COVID. Huh, I wonder why hospitals and everything are just completely overwhelmed. And I wonder why there are work and labor shortages as people are isolating, even if only for five days. It's almost like the new, more infectious variant. By infecting people and then they have to stay off, that means, oh, well, even the five days cutoff time still means you're losing a ton of your workforce because so many of them are becoming infected by the new hyperinfectious variant even if it's not lethal but could still lead to long covid which we've talked about in other videos and we're going to talk about in this one but uh hey you know uh we still can't get tests right i wonder what our leaders right the number two leader in america i wonder if she had something to say about this Google it or go onto any search engine and find out where free testing and the free testing site is available. But Madam Vice President, the fact that we're still telling people to Google where you can get a test and well, you should- but, but, oh, but come on now. I mean, really, if you, if you want to figure out how to get across town to some restaurant you heard is great, you usually do Google to figure out where it is. So that's simply about giving people, right, a mechanism by which they can locate something that they need something that can help them lady google is not the fucking government what are you on this again really speaks to governments just handing over what should be state responsibility to the business sector which is not going to take the proper precautions necessary like this touches on something else i've talked about in the past about how there should be a clear like a just as clear separation between state and business as the idea of church and state we don't seem to have that conversation and yet it's clearly biting us in the ass where here's the vice president theoretically second most powerful person in america just sitting there saying well you know google it not like you have a fucking job or anything kamala holy fuck so that was on january 13th which was just oh my god anyway on january 14th however there's you know just kind of again summing up the dark and depressing situation we're in the fact that one of Minnesota's busiest COVID testing locations has to move out of the convention center for a week because the space was booked by an event that's estimated to bring in 40,000 visitors is straight up peak pandemic. Yeah, we're two years into this thing and it's already peak pandemic when we thought maybe the peak was, you know, in 2020. My, so many of us were naive. Um, also, <laughs> shout out to... Um, 
friends who know me IRL who were uh, thinking that uh, it was a little extreme when I said this virus lasts for maybe five years depending on its handling. Which I guess brings us to today's lovely t-shirt. I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right. However, you know who's not right? This fucking jackass who had the audacity to not leave any tip. And his reasoning for that was, I came from Illinois here to feel normal again. You took that from me today. The mask will not save you. We're so fucked. Also, just another example for why the service industry fucking sucks, right? But hey, service industry workers aren't the only ones getting shafted by this pandemic. It's also time to talk about schools a little bit. Texas schools struggle to stay open as teachers and bus drivers call in sick with COVID-19. Huh, it's almost like shortening it to five days for the business interest of the Delta CEO still does nothing to address the incredible virality of the virus, specifically the Omicron variant. And so even with, oh, you got to isolate for five days, it's so infectious that it just takes out so much of the workforce. Why even bother to have schools open at this point? Oh, right, because middle-class parents are really upset and tired of having their kids running around the house and trying to get them to work while also trying to do their work from home. Someone, please think of the poor suburban parents. And I know that sounds very, like, you know, dry and sarcastic and Cal's like, oh no, poor me, play a small violin. There is some legitimacy to those problems, right? It shows that at all levels, people are being affected poorly by this pandemic. However, it's definitely on a gradient, but the clear answer is that except for those at the very top, this pandemic is having and taking its toll on just about everybody. So maybe we should, I don't know, work towards the actual end of this pandemic and condemn our leaders and actually work together globally to get a handle on this thing. Business interests be damned. But anyway, back to schools and, you know, Virginia. New Virginia Governor Youngkin to lift school mask mandate, change COVID policies. I see no way that this goes incredibly poorly in the following weeks. If you can't tell, this is deeply frustrating to me, but I remind people we're only on like the 14th or 15th of January here, so we still got like another week to go. And on that note, there was this that I saw on the 15th. I hope the US will be held accountable for what it's doing to us. This is horrific. Unfortunately, if history is any precedent, it won't be. And that's deeply saddening and maddening. And it is what's bothering me today, but we're not done with this video yet. Oh no. Right on cue on January 15th, after all these, you know, problems and the infectious variants and problems with staffing in schools, guess what the White House did? U.S. government moves to end daily COVID-19 death reporting by hospitals. Of course they want hospitals to stop reporting deaths. Maybe if people saw that, you know, more people are dying every day than those who died on 9-11, maybe that would be a really bad thing and people might realize, wow, we've normalized death so much in this country. Maybe that's a bad and really inhumane thing to do. Can't have Americans waking up and smelling the dystopia, am I right? Which, you know, again, based on schools, parents and students are realizing how BS the whole thing is. My little brother has had all but one of his teachers out with COVID and almost no students at school. He says they just sit there and do nothing all day because there's nobody there to teach. Why the fuck haven't we closed down already? This is sickening. I'm hoping that question is rhetorical because we haven't closed down yet because capitalism demands it. Fuck the poor. 
fuck teachers and everything. We just need, you know, kids back in school to say that, look, see, we've gotten this under control. And we're going to stop collecting death data because, you know, that's kind of depressing and we're tired of hearing of it. So let's just normalize that thousands of people are dying every goddamn day. People need to continue to make absolutely obscene profits they can never hope to spend. And so, again, with the collapse more or less in full swing, it's going to be very interesting, as this person points out, when it's made incredibly obvious to more people. I don't think people are comprehending that when the very real humans in nursing, teaching, retail, food service, and delivery, etc. reach their very human breaking point, what that will mean for society. It means the current system collapses, which is why when that happens, it's going to be all the more important to reach out to people and strengthen our communities and begin a kind of grassroots movement where we instead say as local and smaller communities, hey, so that whole thing and what they were asking teachers, etc., to do, unfucking sustainable. So let's try and do something else. We already know that these people are experienced and know what to do, but now it's time for a bottom up approach rather than being dictated from the top down who only have the interests of business and their stock portfolios in mind. If the building collapses, we still have a lot of salvageable building materials is my point. But anyway, on with the shit show, January 15th, still, fuck this COVID is mild messaging. Please tell my high school friend whose vax daughter just got admitted to the ICU and intubated one week after giving birth all about how mild COVID is. She's beyond scared and feeling so hopeless. Baby has COVID too. Yes, this is mild. Government's doing a bang up job. Very good. We can all get back to normal now, right? Please tell this lady and her friend and all the children in ICUs that, you know, this is fine and mild. Which, speaking of that, there was, again on January 15th, a report that came out in the BMJ that says the following. Patients with the Omicron variant of COVID-19 shed virus for longer after symptoms emerge, show data from Japan, potentially jeopardizing hopes that the period of isolation for people testing positive could be shortened. Huh, you don't say. Maybe instead of listening to business, we should listen to experts and begin addressing this as the truly global problem that it is. But nope, instead we still have assholes like this person who is speaking to NBC News. It should still be viewed as a short-term fix, said Michael Hansen, a senior fellow in the Brown Center on Education Policy at the Brookings Institution. I think there's a lot of things that can be justified in the service of trying to meet a public health emergency and keeping schools operational. I would say that's more important than the quality of the substitute teacher standing in the front of the classroom for a few weeks, he said. What last year showed us is that it's pretty critical to have schools open so that the rest of the economy can function as normal, and so there is a greater good that's being serviced in this aspect. Whoops! Accidentally let the mask slip there, Mike! It's pretty critical to have schools open so that the rest of the economy can function as normal. Wait a second! I thought getting schools open was about kids' mental health! Surely policymakers couldn't be lying about that! And you know, it's all part of the greater good, right? The greater good for my stock portfolio! Like, I am so fucking done with these people. Which, you know, you know how I kind of casually mentioned earlier about how we're just deferring to business policy? At least someone else is thankfully talking about that. A mantra of successful health campaigns is make the healthy choice the easy choice. But the Biden administration has been intent on making matters that should be easy difficult, prioritizing rules and regulations over results, deferring to private industry and matters of state responsibility, burning individuals already at their breaking points, adding cumbersome barriers of time and logistics, being too slow, and displaying too much contempt and too little urgency in responding to cries for help. Which, as this person so beautifully sums up, this has been the hallmark of the whole pandemic response, and it is quite literally killing us. 
all of this again ties into what's going to come after this pandemic in terms of a long and drawn out aftermath, which is summed up here. Today I saw someone say COVID is only killing or disabling 5.5% of the US population. Assuming the number is that low, that's still over 18 million people. And we are just supposed to accept that? Under a capitalist nightmare dystopia? Yeah, unfortunately, which is why capitalism needs to fucking die already. Instead, we're getting terrible news again from the UK like this. The UK government is scrapping COVID passes and face coverings in England. This follows a slowdown in cases. On 21 January, there were 107,000 new cases of COVID-19, down from a peak of 245,000 on 4 January. Which is Budrino rather, I'm thinking rightly, points out, fuck, Canada and the US are going to follow. Yeah, probably. And that's just a sign of the times, isn't it? Even with mountain upon mountain of evidence for why we are on the wrong track and instead of you know dealing with numbers we're just going to literally start pretending they don't exist and various mandates ending all while again infections rage across the continent and just the world in general we're still saying no come on we're just really tired we just gotta give up even though it's arguably getting worse and worse and we aren't adequately fixing it because that requires work and leadership and we don't want to do that and then there's just incredible hypocrisy as well like this unfortunate tidbit the fbi raided a brooklyn man's home after he hoarded over 5,000 boxes of n95 masks and was trying to sell them at a 700 percent markup and someone said hey cool now do the insulin manufacturers next which, yeah, you'd think maybe they'd do that, but right, no. Remember, as we've said before, the only thing that cops serve and protect are the interests of the state and the ruling class. That does not address that. So they're happy to go and take out that Brooklyn guy, but raiding, you know, the Pfizer offices and just stealing the patents and tearing up the paperwork? Can't do that, even though that would be objectively the right thing to do, wink, wink. Like, I can't stress enough how terrible this has been and will continue to be for so many people. But unfortunately, there's a little piece that I didn't share on January 7th because I wanted to kind of end all this by reminding people about some of the unseen problems with this, even though we've touched on them a little bit. The Omicron surge has been truly devastating for cancer centers. Operating rooms are operating, but on a day-by-day -day basis as staff are sent elsewhere to cover. I found myself arguing with surgical colleagues about why my patient should go to the OR before their patient. We've again restricted visitors so people who were just told they have cancer are coming in to talk about it with me. Alone. Telehealth again being aggressively utilized, if not on treatment or requiring urgent visit, strongly encouraging against in-person visits. All of this because of the highly contagious nature of Omicron coupled with segments of our population that have yet to realize the only way out of this is with everyone getting vaccinated. CDC could help more with greater transparency and communication with all of us. As it stands, even I am mystified about the changing guidance. But overall, if we all just cared about our collective freedom, our collective access to care, and our collective well-being, we would be better off. So for cancer providers, people with cancer, and cancer centers everywhere, I am imploring you, get vaccinated, get boosted, wear your mask, practice physical distancing, and just care about more than just yourself. Thanks. And I'd say that's a good point to end on, especially with a little bit of optimism and a reminder of, yeah, you know, there is a way out of this. But it requires us to all work together and to do what a lot of us have been doing for the past two years. But the real optimism lies with this TikTok that I want to share. 
Let's fucking go. I do not see nearly enough revolutionary optimism on my For You page that I should be. Western leftists just believe in too much nihilism and that's it. This is why I always try to post about stuff that I do in real life. Because fact of the matter is that a lot of Western leftists do not organize. And aside from it obviously being important because it addresses the material conditions of the working class, it will lend you so much revolutionary optimism. You will meet so many comrades that spend every single waking minute of their lives trying to help others or thinking of ways to help others. We can absolutely spend all day complaining about how no revolution is going to happen in our lifetime, or you can organize and make someone's life better today. Why sit and wait around and complain for an armed insurrection when the masses are just not there yet? Go defend people from evictions, feed your neighbors, offer an ear for them to talk to, community you meet and make will give you so much optimism. And yeah, I just about agree wholeheartedly entirely with that person. There is actually hope, you know, like I'm mad about this and so depressed by it at times. I was like, oh my God, why? Because I can see what the road to success and getting out of this looks like, right? We know what needs to be done. We just see that our leaders aren't doing it, which is why we got to do it, right? And that's why, you know, part of me, right? Like some people say, I don't know how you do this like every day and see all this terribleness and even more terribleness that you don't talk about or show us. And like, you know, you still do this every day and you seem to be doing all right mentally and haven't taken a break, etc. And yeah, sure. I also know, you know, my, you know, know your limit, play within it, etc. But it's also just like the way I guess I could say it is that a lot of this stuff also just motivates me to do more stuff and then I get mad that I don't have enough time to do it right so it's oh you know I need to write this thing of like you know lists that of like different organizations or people that can reach out to then spread that out there or oh you know the the snowstorm happened so I'm gonna quickly go around in my snowshoes and uh, just knock at some neighbor's door and be like hey you need anything like we got some stuff we got some food like do you need a grocery run or something like what wh what do you need let's help let's build and develop community like i just want to get out there and do stuff right i'm always motivated to do that by all this shittiness i see and wallow in every goddamn day i wake up pissed off and i want to channel that energy into doing at least something whether it's a form of catharsis like these or doing a good deed helping out the homeless getting someone in touch with someone else who knows something or can help them do whatever or provides a free service of some kind and, you know, sure, she, in that TikTok, the lady there was pointing out how she often tries to share a lot of what she does to give people that revolutionary optimism. And I know some other people online have talked about this before, including some mutuals and friends of the channel here. But for me personally, I don't because... Um, some of what I say and do against conservatives, uh, they're no doubt mad. As some people have noted, I do have a few hate watchers. Um, and, you know, I don't want to give them any more information or ammunition that could potentially be used to make IRL friends and family and also potentially work a living hell. So some of the stuff I'm working on is very much in the background. But with that being said, right, sure, there are times when I do share stuff such as fundraising efforts that's one of the things where i'm like i think that's fine enough to share no one really has a problem with raising money for you know the homeless indigenous people and like residential school survivors or you know kids trying to still fight the canadian government in court that's still going on by the way so you know all these different things right those are things i feel fine sharing about there's other stuff i do or i'm trying to do anyway 
on the side, working with people, getting things started or trying to get the ball rolling, getting people in touch with each other. It's a long process, right? And I think that that's something that she hits on in that TikTok of how, sure, sit around, wait for the revolution to happen when the masses aren't there yet. We got to get those masses happening, which is, you know, thank you all of you for being here. There's a little mass of people compared to where I started just, God, like nearly a year and a half ago now. And, you know, that's really beautiful, right? That we can still do so much work and positive work, good, honest, revolutionary work. But that's the problem, right? It is work. We can't just sit around and wait for our politicians and our leaders to do the right thing. They've shown complete disinterest in doing so, which means we have to do that. But you know what? It is possible, right? That's the optimism out of all of this. And not just like a silver lining, like really starting to see the sun coming out from the clouds is there is a way out of this. We know what has to be done. It's just that our leaders aren't doing it. And that means that we have to do the work, which unfortunately with us having to work within a capitalist system, sure, we don't really have as much free time as we'd like to have to devote to stuff like this. We have bills to pay and just so much stress and only so much energy. I absolutely get it and I understand. And that just shows all the more reason why the capitalist system needs to die. But unfortunately, it's going to propagate for a while so long as we keep voting and supporting and legitimizing the people in power who just benefit off of this system that has led to this terrible crisis that we are all currently experiencing. That, I guess, in the sum totality, the callous capitalism that we are forced to participate in and that our leaders are responsible for and are aiding and abetting in its criminal loss of life, that is what's bothering me today.